Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. The text, but we're going to read it again, all right? Uh, We're going to read in Matthew's account, Matthew 21. Um, Matthew 21, we're going to read verses 1 through verse 11. Um, Just jokingly, I told told Andy this morning, I said, I I feel sort of naked without a jacket (laughs) up here. You know what I mean, How how you leave home without a belt? That just you just feel weird the rest of the day, don't you? At least I do. I mean, I go. I mean, I, sometimes I'll go back if I got enough time and get the belt. But anyway, uh, love supporting our youth and the shirts they made, just talking about Christ, and so uh, I'm excited to support them and, and appreciate all that they've done today. And uh, so Matthew uh, 21, and we're going to read through verse 11, verse 1 through verse 11. I called, as you're turning there, I called Brother Lance. I said, have you rested? He goes, no. <laughs> he said, I've always heard this, this thought of being wore out after you preach. He said, I didn't really know what to make of that until now. He's like, it's true. <laughs> you were completely tired, especially when it's a, you know, a revival week. So I said, well, you're, you're not alone, brother. You're not alone. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right. God's Word says this, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage under the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus to disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, And this is Zechariah's prophecy. I believe it's Zach, um, Zechariah chapter 9. Um, Maybe verse 9, I think. Um, It says here, Tell the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we um, want to approach your throne once again. 
to thank you for this day. Thank you for this, the, the worship we've had thus far through uh, song and music, but also through the, the readings um, and all of the, the, the skit that, was, uh, that all, all the youth has performed today, just bringing our hearts to um, give attention to Christ and, and, and what he was entering into Jerusalem to do for the world. Father, I just praise you and worship you for the fact that he fulfilled what he was sent to do. We're not here to worship a dead Savior. We are here worshiping a Savior who is alive, who is well, and who is able to save even today. Father God, I praise you for that. Father, I I pray for every unbeliever that may be here. If they've never trusted Christ... A Savior by faith alone. I pray today that they would see their unbelief. They would see their sin. They would confess that to you. And confess from their heart a trusting and believing faith alone in Christ alone. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I pray for every child of God. I pray for every, every one of your children. That they would see Jesus as their Lord. Their master, their king. They would not shy away from any step of obedience that you're calling them to today. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be served and done with a thankful heart. And Father, I pray you help me today. Being under the weather half this week and I just, I I need your help. Um, I don't want to say or do anything contrary to your will and your word. But I pray you just bring to my mind the things that you've showed me and I pray you'd just let me disappear from the stage that the only one they would see today or hear today would be you. And I pray all this in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. You know, it's interesting you come to chapter 21 and Something changes about Jesus' tactic. Completely 180 turn to what he typically would do. When he would enter a city or he would go from place to place. Um, Now what you'll find here is that there's a great multitude that's followed him. uh, Really like, even as the young people had demonstrated this, like a royal procession. I mean, a, a big deal was made about Jesus, Jesus entering into Jerusalem this time. Um, and you have to ask the question, why was it so different? Why was this entrance into Jerusalem so different from any other? Because, you know, if you read, read your Bible very much about the ministry of Christ, you'll find many times Jesus would give people instructions, don't tell anyone. That's what he would tell them, don't tell anyone. You know, who I am, or don't, or anyone, don't tell anyone, you know, uh, what just happened or who did this. In, in a sense, uh, keeping, keeping things really sort of quiet. Um, even then, he did not want the people to see him just as a miracle worker. He wanted them to see him for who he truly was. And things have not changed here. But what has changed here is this. He would be entering into Jerusalem a final time. A time of which he knew there was nothing else to be done or for him to fulfill prior to going to the cross. He was going to the cross. He would enter Jerusalem 
and face the denial of many and face a rigged uh, trial, be accused of something he did not do to pay a debt that you and I deserve to pay. But he would go to the cross, and we know he did that successfully, and as the young people have done illustrated, he rose again. Jesus, if, if he is going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world, he wants the world's eyes to be on him at this point. He's not going to say, hey, keep it quiet. He wants there to be a big deal made when he enters in to Jerusalem because he's going to be lifted up. And you'll find Jesus saying this in the New Testament, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he's still doing that today. He wanted the world's eyes on him. And that's exactly what happened. But the world's eyes began to be upon him here as he entered in um, to Jerusalem. You'll find, you remember, Brother Lance mentioned this in one of the texts he read this past week about when Paul was talking with Festus and Felix. Do you remember what he told them? He said, what was done with Christ was not done silently in a corner. Y'all remember that? You all that were here and attended revival. Well, this is why he made a big deal, a huge procession in him going in Jerusalem. The world saw him and did not take their eyes off of him all the way to the cross. So if he was going to die for the world, he wanted the world focused on him. And let me just say this as we enter into this message. This was a fulfilled prophecy. Up to this point, it was 550 years had passed since Zechariah prophesied this. He said, Brother Josh, why are you making this a big deal in, in the introduction? Simply because this, dear people, is that we know that we can have assurance in all things that Jesus is yet to do. Because he fulfilled all things prophesied about him by himself. He's done it here. And he says, hey, I'm coming back for you. Amen. So where I am, there you may be also. And that is yet to happen. And guess what? It's going to happen. Amen. And so here we are seeing this remarkable thing happen here. The entry into Jerusalem. Now, if you, most of your Bibles, if you look at, your, at, at um, chapter 21, what, what does many of your Bibles say it is? What's happened? It's a triumphal entry, right? But was it really to everyone? We, in hindsight, look back. We see more clearly than anybody ever got to see. Amen? We live in the most blessed time in the world. We have the full canon of Scripture. We see more things clearly today than they did then. Now, we look back and we say, yes, it was a triumphal entry. Our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the resurrection life was entering in Jerusalem. But was it a triumphal entry as we understand it? Was it that way to those there? I don't, I don't think so. I think as you'll find many of Jesus' followers... Many had put their faith, I think, as much as they understood in who Jesus was. But folks, you know this. You follow the ministry of Jesus and those who followed him. Oftentimes, Jesus would have to remind them of what he was there to do time and time and time again. Even here before this, he said, I must be handed over to the hands of sinners and die and rise again. But post-resurrection, what were many of them doing? They were fearful and doubting. You know, that was overwhelmed with doubt. So... The triumphal entry that we see did not, was not quite seen that way by people then. But Jesus, I want, I want us to see who entered into Jerusalem. Who was he? 
You're going to find some are going to be questioned about really what's taking place, about what Jesus asked them to do. You're going to find some others, some religious leaders, asking who he is because it's now they're going to be moving to take him to the cross. They're not seeing this as a triumphal moment. This moment will be seeing, and it will be some doubts to this moment. There'll be some anger toward this moment. Many feelings about this moment would not be uh, really genuinely seeing as they should be according to who he what truly was and what he was going to do. But let it not be doubted today what Jesus was entering in Jerusalem to do was to take your sin to the cross on behalf of you and provide you a righteousness that you need to stand well before the judgment of God. He provided that. That's what he was there to do. But many, even his followers, didn't quite Get it. So let's, let's dig in. What time we have left, let's dig in quickly. Uh, number one, who, who entered in Jerusalem? I want you to see Jesus is going to paint this picture clearly because Jesus' entry was centered on him. And he's going to have to paint this picture for his followers. And he does, and he's done it all up to this point. He's going to continue to do it. Um, these <laughs> His followers are going to have, I think, have you ever had a balloon blown up? You're blown up and someone just let the air out of it. It's going to be that kind of moment here in just a minute, okay? Um, they come to Jerusalem, okay? And he sends two of his disciples into a village to gather a particular animal. Now, you have to remember, the Jewish people were under Roman control. And they were wanting salvation. They were wanting deliverance. They were wanting a king. Like when, you know, they were prophesied a king's going to come. Now, Zechariah had his prophecy, but not every time did people look back to the prophecies and read them clearly. They got caught up in the circumstances that we're in Roman control. We want liberation. We want freedom. We want liberty. In other words, I think many of them had their mold for Jesus. The one entering into Jerusalem, Jesus says, hey guys, you know, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. But this time, I'm not going to walk. This time, I'm not going to be quiet. This time, we're going to make noise. We're going in. I'm going to be, I'm going to be riding this animal. We're going to go in and make a statement. Well, you can imagine, you know, first century Jew under Roman control, they say, yes, finally, hey, we're going to be liberated. He's going to go in there and say, you know, I'm the king and, and just let the Romans know, you know, what's going to happen here. Because you, if you read the New Testament, you'll see that many times that's what they were thinking Jesus was going to do. That's the liberation he was going to bring was this physical liberation. Now, you, if you've got someone coming into a city to say, hey, I'm the king, you expect him to write some kind of, you know, tall stallion, right? Like making a big statement about what they thought Jesus was going to do. Their, their mold or assumption or expectation of Jesus. Now keep that thought in your mind. Um, but then Jesus sort of let the air out of their balloon, I think. He says, I'm going to ride in Jerusalem, but I'm going to do it on a donkey. You can imagine how that maybe have settled. And you don't see any really much dialogue between the ones going to get the donkey. But I have to keep in mind the mindset of many of the Jews here was about being liberated physically. Riding a donkey. That's not the statement we were looking for. You can imagine. 
Well, they went and they, and they, and they gathered this donkey. They, they fetched this donkey. Um, and maybe, maybe as they were going to get the donkey, they said, well, at least it's not a worn out donkey. Maybe it's not just tired and, you know, it's, 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 it's young, never been rode. And, you know, it's vibrant. It's going to be a vibrant animal. You know, it'll, it'll make the statement we're looking for. Um, but I, I honestly think as I look at this that, they, that it wasn't the expectation that I think they were quite looking for this grand entry into Jerusalem to give them this liberation. And as I begin to think about the mindset of the Jew and then Jesus' statement about bring this donkey to me and entering in that way, how many of you here today have been guilty of, of pouring Jesus into a particular mold of expectation? Thinking Jesus is, is going to be this, it's this Jesus, or this kind of Jesus. I've never seen so much in religion today making Jesus this, that, and this, instead of the Jesus that's clearly taught about in Scripture Many today in religion will say Jesus is the one I get things from or Jesus is the one that just heals this or fixes that or, you know, uh, gives me the, you know, you know, anything that I want. They, they try to shame Jesus into their expectations. But Jesus did not come to fulfill a fleshly expectation. Jesus came to fulfill a drastic need of your soul. That's why he came. Um... There is only one Jesus. It's the Jesus of Scripture. It's, it's the pre-existing Jesus, the creator Jesus, the one who is predestined to come and live a sinless life and, and die a, a, a death for us, taking our sin upon himself to resurrect and provide a righteousness that you and I needed. I will tell you, when you look at Jesus... With your fleshly expectations, you'll then find yourself being disappointed in Jesus. You ever done that? You thought you, you were going through this sickness, you are going through this trial or whatever, and you think Jesus is just, just your fixer-upper of everything, and it didn't fix out the way you wanted to, or it didn't shape out the way you wanted to, and then you start getting a little bitter toward Jesus, you start reading your Bible, you start praying like, start praying like you should, you get distant from church and worship. It's all because you didn't saturate your mind and heart to know who Jesus of the Scriptures is. Jesus came, one purpose, to be the Savior. And yes, he, 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 he healed people. Yes, he, he mended hearts. Yes, he restores marriages. Yes, he does all those things. But dear friend, folks, those are bonus things that come from Jesus and his grace. The ultimate thing that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem with was saving grace. Salvation for my soul and your soul. I will tell you this here today that Jesus is not concerned about fulfilling the wants of your flesh, but he is ultimately concerned about fulfilling the needs of your soul. That's his concern. That's why we're here. I'm not here because he's made my life so easy. He has blessed me in so many ways. Why am I here? I am here because Jesus died and rose again for me. I'm here because he saved me over 23 years ago. I'm here because I'm still saved, because he keeps me. And I'm here because he's coming back for me. That Jesus is the real Jesus. 
We are wasting our time if we're going to say it was a different kind of Jesus entering in Jerusalem just to relieve you of this and to take care of that for you. No, he is here to make you his child if you will come to him by faith and trust him. Put your faith and trust in him. He came embodying the riches of God's grace. Can I tell you something? There is nothing in Scripture that tells us as Christians that we are to conform Jesus uh, uh, to our mold. You won't find that in, in Scripture. But what you will find is that we are to be conformed to His mold. We are to be poured into His mold, to be Christ-like, to be Christians. And that begins at the moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Do you spend more of your life today, I'm talking to you that are believers, do you spend a lot of your time wanting Jesus to be shaped to your standard or are you desiring to be shaped to his standard? What do you spend most of your life? For those that that pray such a prayer as he told us to pray or gave us a model, pray, your kingdom come, you're going to be the kind of Christian that wants to fit Jesus' mold, to fit his standard, to be pursuing him. Who Jesus truly is, Savior and Lord and King. But when we're praying, Lord, I just, I, you know, I want this and I want that and I just, you know, I need you to do this and just give him a laundry list or a grocery list. Dear friends, you're missing the point of Christ. Oh, so many times I keep my ear to the ground all the time watching uh, 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 different uh, religious leaders around our country and the message that they're now sort of shift-shaping their message of the gospel. It's a different Jesus. It's not this word of faith kind of Jesus that, hey, you know, uh, he'll, he'll just be, uh, it'll be like me putting a, you know, a nose ring in and dragging him along as long as I have appropriate faith. I can just drag him along and bargain with him all the time. No, he's king. I'm to bow to him. I don't follow him. I'm to be about his will and the things he wants me to do. That's the Jesus that entered in Jerusalem. But Jesus entered in, it was centered on his person. I'm not going here to liberate you from the Romans. I'm going in Jerusalem to liberate you from your sin. Folks, it's not a worldly power that may come and conquer our land or whatever that will ever be the big issue for you. The big issue for you is the sin that already has you. The captivity that you are in. That's the bondage you need to be concerned about. That's the bondage Jesus was concerned about. That's why he came to Jerusalem at this point, to bring salvation. But you'll find Jesus also entered, when he entered in Jerusalem, he did it with authority. And um, you notice that with, this, with, with the donkey that they bring to, to Jesus. And I don't know if uh, any of you have any, any history with uh, riding horses or mules or donkeys, anybody, anybody have any history like that? A few of you, yeah, a few of you. Um, this is what there's something amazing here that I, you probably already know, but I want I want you to see it. We see the authority of Jesus, where some may not even understand His authority. We see through creation itself. We see Christ, the one of authority, entering in to Jerusalem. So they bring this donkey, and notice what happens in verse seven. What does Jesus do? What does he do? Somebody tell me. 
It's not a trick question, I promise you. I don't do that. I'm not mean like that. What does he do? Well, I need to go get about. I need to go get a uh, a, a training video, and and I need to break this thing. And I, what did he do? He sat on him. That's the point. We'll have an imitation now. No, I'm joking. He sat on him. Now, 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 just just bear with me just for a second. Before before this donkey was brought to Jesus, okay. These two disciples went, and I don't want you to miss, this is just a real just footnote, really, in Scripture, to the one that had the donkey. And you'll find that Jesus says, now listen, if you go and you, you get this, this guy's donkey, and, and, and you're going to take him, and he says, if this guy has a problem with it, you just tell him the Lord needs it, and he will give you the donkey. And that's exactly what happened. Went, they went to get it, owner came out, the Lord needs it, okay. That's remarkable. That is, that, is, that is more than maybe many of us have done today what, what, in, in, our, in our life. What, what I want you to see is this. I don't know the person's name. I don't know the address of this guy where he lived or his genealogy or anything, whether he was wealthy or poor or whatever. What I do know is this. That guy was obedient to the Lord. And that's all, that, that is a great thing to know about somebody. Amen? Is that he was obedient. And listen, again, remember what I told you at the beginning? We see things more clearly now than they ever have. All this, this person had a partial understanding about Jesus at this point. And all that he knew about Jesus, which is less than what we know, he said yes to him. That's huge. He said, yes, take him. If the Lord needs him, then, then I don't need him. The best thing I can do with what I have is to give it to the Lord. What an amazing thing. And we here today know more about Jesus through the full canon of Scripture. And how many of us today will say, no, Lord? That's an oxymoron. That, Peter is very acquainted with that. He said, no, Lord. That doesn't go together. It should be, yes, Lord. Amen? What a great... And you never know about this guy at, in any other time. Just this one point. But wouldn't it be a great thing... That if you had one, one, one thing about you to be put in Scripture, it would be that you were obedient. And that guy made it, right? I mean, so it's just an amazing thing about this one individual. He said, yes, Lord, and he gave him the very thing that would be used to make the statement that Jesus wanted to make as he went to Calvary. Great obedience that we all can learn from today. Are you, are you an obedient Christian? Can I tell you something? All that you have resources you have, the talent you have, the health you have. Can I tell you something? God has a plan and a purpose for all those things. For His glory, His will, to tell the world about Christ, to spread the good news of the gospel. He wants to use you. You may think, well, God couldn't use what I got. He used this little donkey, this donkey of this one person. Don't ever, don't ever say that what I have is small. It's the only reason you have it because it came from a big God. So anything you have is a big thing. And when God wants to use it, it's a big deal. Amen? So just keep that in your mind. Where is my obedience to my Savior today? But he entered with authority. You know, you look at this donkey. Um, he wasn't privy to all the details. <laughs> He, he wasn't privy to all that was going to take place or really what was going to happen or really where they were going. 
All that he, what, what got the donkey's attention was this. was not the explanation or the details or, you know, all, all that. What got his attention was that his maker was sitting on his back. And you can go back, and, and, and I'm trying to hurry. Um, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 8. Um, I'll just turn there quickly and read this to you. Psalm 8, verses 6 and 7. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field. We can learn a big lesson from this animal today. What we learn here is this, is that he didn't have, what you'll find, when he, when he rode in, he rode on this donkey all the way into Jerusalem. Now I'll tell you this, if any of you all would have sat on him, it would have been a lot different story. You'd have been lucky to have made it through the gates. An unbroke donkey. Yeah, a donkey to a mere man, yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to go through a breaking session. Hey, and you all that have been in there and done that, you know what I'm talking about. The animal's got to be broken, understood who the master is, right? All that had to happen with this animal, we're talking about an animal, a created being here. All that had to be done was the master sitting on his back. And that donkey knew exactly who he was. You can't tell me otherwise. All of creation knows who its creator is. And that's all, and I don't mean this to sound demeaning, but where I'm going with this, that's all that Jesus was to the donkey, was creator. And all that, just the fact that he was the donkey's creator, that was enough for the donkey to submit and to walk toward where Jesus wanted him to walk, where Jesus wanted to go. Because he had an important thing to do in Jerusalem, was talking about the cross, Calvary, and the resurrection. Now, when I begin to think about that, I begin to think about me. <laughs> I begin to think about even you, because we're all pretty similar, I think. How many of you prefer to know the details? If you're going somewhere, do you, would you like to have an itinerary? This sort of eases your mind a little bit, don't it? Okay, what stops are we going to make, and how many miles is it, and what's the weather going to be like, and, you know, is it, you know, what, is there going to be rain, is there going to be, you know, and I need to know how to pack, I need to, you want all those details. You want all the details. We're like that. We're like that in our spiritual life, too. If I can't get all the details, God, I just, I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm not going to go there, I, you know, because you're not giving me all that I need to know. Really? Really? Folks, can I tell you something? All you need to know is that Jesus is leading you. And if he is leading you, it's the, safe, it's the safest place for you to go. That's where he's leading you to. You don't need to know the details. All you need to know is that he knows the details. That's enough. That is enough, is that he knows where he's taking you. I trust, we should trust our Savior. Amen? And what I went back to, what I, what I said just a minute ago, is that Jesus was the donkey's creator. Dear Christian, he is your creator and he's your Savior. You've got a twofold reason to trust him. And not to say, well, I just don't know, Lord. I've not been this way before and, and, and I'm just not familiar with the terrain. Well, uh, just, re, just, just, just understand this. The one who's going with you is all-powerful and all-knowing and always be with you. We forget those things about the one who's leading us. When we say no to Jesus, we're saying, God, I just don't know enough about you. 
How many knows that Jesus is all-powerful? Let's see some hands. How many of you know that Jesus is all-knowing? Yeah. Then what do you have to fear? Why are you saying no? Why are you saying wait, Lord? And who believes that Jesus will go everywhere with you? Can go anywhere with you? He's omnipresent. Folks, we don't need to know the fine details of anything. All we need to know is Him. And when He leads us, we can say, yes, Lord. Because I think one thing that the Christian sometimes misses and forgets is that Jesus is not just my Savior, but He is my Lord. And just this one little moment of sitting on this donkey really shows us that wherever Jesus goes, and whatever Jesus does, and whenever he does what he does, his authority goes with him. He not, does not lose his authority. So wherever you, wherever God sends you, wherever God takes you, whatever God wants you to do as his child, his, his enablement, all that he is, he, what did he tell us? I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, he goes with us. So you have Jesus with you. If a donkey can get it right, the one that the Spirit indwells, which is the believer, surely to goodness, we can say, yes, Lord. Amen? I talk with people many times, and I can be guilty of this too. People will say, you know, I, I, I really like helping people and I, I do this for that person, I do this, I do that and, and I just welcome all the needs of people and I try to fulfill them all and, and then they get exhausted, right? They just, they're willing to be just unconditional in receiving the, the, the needs of people and I, and I appreciate that. We should help one another, amen? Be hospitable and caring. But yet when it comes to Jesus, we conditionally welcome the plan of God into our life. We'll, we'll just we'll open up our whole life to, to human beings and become exhausted for what they need and you know uh, the needs in their life. But when it comes to what God wants of our life, we've got conditions. It's a conditional welcoming to His plan. But many times we're just spending ourselves ragged for people. But it's not that way when it comes to God, us living for God. We're not exhausted for God. Are we more living exhaustively for flesh? Or are we living exhaustively for the divine? I pray it's for the divine. Can I tell you something? Man did not die for your soul. He did not take your sin to the cross. It's not man who resurrected from the grave. It's not man that's going to take you to heaven. It's one person. His name is Jesus. It's him alone. Let us not be so eagerly fatiguing, our, fatiguing ourselves for flesh and then be left with no energy to serve our Savior. Think about your life. Are, we, are you guilty of that today? You drain yourself of saying yes to people all the time. It's always yes. And you tire yourself out so much that you say no to the Lord. That's not balance. It was Jesus who was entering in Jerusalem for you. Sometimes where you can give your best yes to Jesus, times you have to give a no to people. You do. There's only so much of you today. 
You ever said this? There's not enough time in the day. Yeah, there is. We just don't know how to manage it. We don't know how to manage ourselves. We've got to be balanced for the cause of Christ, for his glory. Because you'll understand something real quick. If you're living for the praise of men, the very ones, you have people praising him, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? And then when, and it's not too long after that, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. So folks, listen, don't spend your life for the praise of men. You better be spending your life to the praise and glory of God. Man will turn on you. God never will. Is that a blessing? We serve others for God's glory. But can I, can I point something here out to you? Um, he's riding this donkey. This is a royal entry. It is. It is a royal triumphant entry. But a donkey is a beast of burden, isn't it? Don't miss the picture of the burden here. The beast of burden is carrying the one and the only one who would take the burden on your soul. He would take it upon himself. He was carrying the burden of the donkey was the one who would ultimately take the burden of the world on himself. That's who the donkey was carrying into Jerusalem. He died for the sins of the world. Amen. That's why he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's who was in this picture of riding on the donkey was here saying, I'm not coming here to relieve you of a, a burden of, 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 ro- of royal uh, of, of, of a control. I am here, the burden on this donkey, to tell you I'm coming to take your burden and put it on myself. And he's talking to a people that does not deserve such a blessing. To a people that he knew when he saw them as he entered in, that you're going to deny me, you're going to say crucify me, you're going to say crucify me, you're going to be the one to drive the nails in my hands. He knew, but he came entering in Jerusalem in, for, you know, in one way for everyone. Even the, one who, even the ones who drove the nails in his flesh and put the spear in his side. But as you look here, you would think, that everybody would get that. Everybody would see that. But many did not. You think everybody would see it today. But many still does not. What's the common denominator of people being blinded here and blinded today? As I'm coming to a close. It's called the pursuing of hardening your heart. You're going to find in John chapter 12, you're going to find a, a, a very sad moment where people would not believe for a stretch of time that it come to a point where they could not believe. They went from a would not to a could not. That's a dangerous place to be, come to that point of now enable. Because the only way we can trust Christ today is when he is drawing us. He done, taught, he done told us, I will draw all men. But he did not say how long he would draw you. He has every right to cut us off if we just continually pursue the hardening of our hearts and the blinding of our eyes. He has every right to do that. 
He does not promise us time and time and time again. I will tell you this. Here's living proof. He gave me more opportunities, Brother Terry. I got it wrong once before. And he kept dealing with me. Did I deserve it? No. Would he have been, would he have been very just and right to cut me off? Yes. But he kept pursuing me. And I thank him for that today. But there's no promise of him continuing to pursue you tomorrow. That's why today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. He came to Jerusalem as a savior, as a king, as a liberator for the soul. That's who entered into Jerusalem. And can I tell you this? He did not just see the people there in Jerusalem when he entered in. But my Savior is an all-knowing Savior. Familiar with eternity, past, present, and future. Different, he did not just see them there in the first century, but he saw you as well. He entered in Jerusalem for you. The question is, what will you do with this Jesus? What will you do with the Jesus who rode on this donkey? I'm the Savior. I'm the one with the authority to take care of the sin the unbelief, and give you new life. And he provided it. The question is, what will you do with this Jesus? That's the question. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Have Miss Arb come, Brother Eddie come, prepare a song.